It's a good win. There's a lot of people. It's like Woodstock, except everybody's got their clothes on. But eat a damn snack. You're like my wife when you get in space. You just get lost. Short steps are better than long steps. That's the only time in your life you're gonna hit short is better than long. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to 614 Headsets. We're off a uh, one-week hiatus after we put on a phenomenal clinic that we can't wait to talk about. We're the show that says football is unconditional love. We couldn't agree more. We're three high school coaches from Columbus, Ohio. Coach Sayers, Coach Donovan, and myself. Guys, say what's up to everybody. How's your week going? You ain't lying, though, Stout. Unconditional love. We got to experience that at the clinic, right? We Everybody coming in, showing love. We had a great time there. We appreciate everybody, and I'm excited to be back on. Yeah, seriously. We Last week and this week has been a lot better after feeling what that clinic felt like about eight, nine days ago. So we appreciate everybody coming out. That was about everything we could have asked for and more. So we appreciate yeah, it. It was a much deserved break and in, in reflection. We were like, ah, we're going to do a clinic. And uh, we quickly found out a clinic was a lot more work and a lot more putting it together, but it was great work. And I'm so proud of the way our first clinic went. I'm so appreciative of everybody that came. Uh, I want to thank everybody that spoke. And, and that's really what made it such a good clinic is the people that for free, gave their time to help everybody become a little bit better that day and just appreciate the day for what it was. I felt like my wedding and, and the <laughs> fact that I was running around and I feel like it was a blur and I didn't get to enjoy all of it. And I didn't get to talk to everybody as much as I wanted to. And so I'll just apologize to anybody if I didn't get to talk to you a lot. I think we were just solely focused on how can we provide the best clinic and the best day we can for everybody that showed up and, we took a lot of people's feedback and there was really good feedback from positives and things we got to correct and maybe do better next time. And I firmly believe that even next year, we are going to have a bigger and better clinic. And I'm promising you, we are probably going to rival all the clinics that are around this area. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to find that as we keep going and we keep tweaking and doing some great things. As we get rolling today, 614 Headsets is proud to be presented by Fundraising University. Fundraising University Ohio offers a variety of fundraising efforts that helps football teams run profitable, effective, and fast-paced fundraisers designed to raise the most money in the shortest amount of time to reach their fundraising goals. Fundraising University Ohio is locally owned, operated, and with their six-step blitz system will help your team maximize profits. As a current coach himself, Brent Maxwell with Fundraising University will sit down and help you pick, plan, strategize, and execute your fundraiser that will allow you as a coach to focus on your practice time, prep time, player development, and personal time. If you're interested in us running a fundraiser for you, please contact Brent Maxwell at the letter B Maxwell at fundraising, the letter U.net, or 740-501-8946 to learn how you can get started with fundraising. We've got a great guest on the night, head coach of Gehanna Lincoln High School, Coach Bruce Ward. Coach, Thank you for coming on. Your reputation precedes itself. I'll list through this, and some of this I sprinkled into my own. Played at Fairmont State 1994 to 1997, so you and Coach Stout played similar times in college football, it looks like. That's ironic. <laughs> Started a corner, freshman, old, sophomore. <laughs> yeah, okay. You were a corner, freshman, sophomore. That's the first. I didn't know that until you texted me that. Um, yeah. 
moved to Will Linebacker, junior and senior, coached there at Fairmont State from 1998 to 2000, uh, served as an assistant coach after that, and a defense coordinator at Beechcroft High School in Columbus for nine years. And in 2009, you took over as the head coach. And you went 37 and 14 with three consecutive City League North titles before moving on to Gahanna Lincoln, in which you've been 67 and 41 with seven playoff appearances in 10 years, two time OCC champ, one time regional champ, and dozens of college ball players produced in that 10 year time span. Too many overall to count, but I did go back and count 21 Division one college football recruits, or, or still, some of them still currently playing in your 10 years at Gahanna. So, Coach, we appreciate you having us on. Or have, coming on with us, excuse me, I had to flip the uh, <laughs> Tell the audience, you know, what, what's gotten to you this point? What's, what's it been like for you up to this point? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, I don't know if I can say anything better than what you've said about me. Obviously, you know, what you've said is, is correct. Uh, I'm just happy to be here. Not a lot more about me. Uh, I have two kids. Hopefully both are Division One athletes. My daughter plays basketball at Xavier. My son hopefully will play Division One here shortly. We got another season to get through before that happens. And then I have a wife that is crazy athletic, who was a two-time All-American swimmer in college and now is like a CrossFit queen. So I'm like the peon of the family nowadays, especially being as old as I am. Thank you for putting those dates in there. We could have just left it at years. And so I played there for four years and then coached for three. Instead I had of- to get specific. Putting those 19 dates in front of it. He's never really gotten that specific. I was only three years old at that point in 98 when he started at Fairmount. Thanks. He never really gets that specific with anybody else. So I did catch on to that. Yeah, (laughs) I I did too. Because I didn't put that on there. But but I appreciate you making me feel very elderly on this show. So appreciate it, guys. It's just nice to have somebody a little bit older than me that can be the brunt of the old jokes for once. So it's good. This is a refreshing day for me. So the good thing is I, I look younger than Donovan anyway. So <laughs> not, <True>. I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, we're excited to have you on, Coach. I know you've been on in a small capacity, but you've been a follower and a believer from the beginning. You did a little special episode from uh, from your patio last yeah. year, and uh, felt like the perfect time to get you on. For this episode as we talk about navigating today's recruiting world and what better of a person from the unique perspective of being a head coach for so long as he has and having success with it and obviously seeing the recruiting world change but then also witnessing the recruiting world both from your daughter's perspective and sitting in it right now going with brennan so i can't wait to hear how that is and maybe how that you have a unique take on that but before we get to all that, we have to get to the most famous segment of the time here, Ryan. My favorite one of them all, the pick six segment. This segment is powered by Story Rivals. Championships, friendships, and life lessons are among the most meaningful parts of the athletic competition. We are passionate about preserving them by offering the most unique highlight experience available. Story Rivals Sports Media delivers your team's content with Moments now and for a lifetime. Story Rivals now offers a complete team apparel and player shop customizable to your program. Contact us by email info at storyrivals.com to schedule an appointment with your member of our team. That's great, Ryan. Are we ready to roll now? Let's go. Let's get into Uh, it. The pick six segment. Round robin. I want you you to go first today since this is your guys' dad slash hammer. (laughs) <laughs> I'll go I'll go first and I love it because without coach ever knowing what one of my questions was going to be 
I had to ask it. And I even said on here, I said, who is the best athlete in the family? The Hammer, Mrs. Ward, Bella, or Brennan? Oh, man. That's Gun tough. to your head. You got to pick one. Don't be political. Just roll like, with it. Here's the thing. I would be stupid not to say my wife because of the things that she can do with CrossFit and swimming. But honestly, I think it's Bella. I, Bella was a freakish athlete. She's size and speed. As an eighth grader, she ran an 11 9 and 100 as an eighth grader, female. She played soccer for, we did travel soccer forever. At one time in the spring, she played travel soccer, travel basketball, and ran track. So uh, Brennan does one sport right now, so he's out. I, I'm going to go with Bella. I think Bella's a phenomenal female athlete. I thought it was going to be Bella or Mrs. Ward. I really yeah. did. Yeah. She's good. She's an athlete. She's fast. She's big. She can play soccer. She can run. She can play hoops. Didn't, um, didn't she play Didn't she play tackle football all the way through middle school, too? No, she didn't no. play football. I tried to get her to kick for me. Gotcha. School, but she, wouldn't. She, she didn't want that embarrassment of playing for her dad. Got it. But I, I think she's a phenomenal athlete. I, hey, listen, I'm definitely last. I'll say that. And the three of them are probably tied. Brendan might be divided by me since he's a one sport guy right now. That's fair. All right. I got one for you. You had to get, you have to get rid of one forever. You can never have it again. Celsius or coffee? Which one are you coffee. getting rid of? Coffee. <laughs> Easy. I knew that was going out. That That's was what going, I figured it would be. Knowing him, that was the dumbest question. You might have said that one well, was dumb. I, I see you trying to get a Celsius sponsorship. Like, mm-hmm. we. We don't want no coffee sponsorship. We want Celsius. <laughs> Celsius is, is, is A1. Fire. I love Celsius. I, I never tried it until we did the one segment. It was like one of our first episodes. And you got, yeah. we did like energy drinks or we did something. Top on three. Yep. Yeah. And you guys said the Celsius kiwi guava was fire. Mm-hmm. Oh, and now yeah. I feel like I drink that every day. And then I also just got a variety pack of that ZOA stuff we had at the clinic. <laughs> so That's good. Fire yeah. too. It's not as good as Celsius, but listen, James Franklin did a whole press conference and all he talked about was asking between Celsius and coffee. So Don, that's probably where you got it from. Uh, yeah. He was asking, he was asking reporters if they prefer Celsius or coffee. I'll have to go watch that. Check it out. I think I might have a copy of it. Deflecting. Here we go. I'll go. I obviously got to go next here. What is uh, one thing that you do on your, on game day? That's a routine for you that you've always done. What's the one thing? Drink a Celsius. I, here's the funny thing is it's not the same every year, but every year there's something I wear that has to be the same every game day. Whether it's the pants, socks, shoes, undergarments, like whatever it is, like I have to wear something. And that's my thing for the entire year. And I feel like it's superstitious, but I feel like it's something that I have to do. I, I've been known to throw clothes away if we don't. That's the same with me. I've done the same thing. We don't do lose that that shirt where it's done. Listen, yeah. Coach Ward is the most superstitious individual Mm -hmm. I have ever met in my entire life. Only in sports, though. In sports, but he like I am not exaggerating. The most superstitious man I've ever met. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I guess I'm up. Here we go. I have just a real random question. What are you most excited about in life right now? What's got you juiced up right now in 2024? Man, I honestly, and I'm not saying this because I'm on this show, but I, I honestly, I am excited to see what we look like as a team this year. 
we've had two good runs with a lot of good athletes. And honestly, in our world, we don't get the portal. We don't get to recruit. And I, I feel like we tomorrow we're going to sign 11 kids. Last year, I think we signed six or seven. That's a lot of kids leaving your program and going up, going on to play at the next level. Coach Emerson was out. Our strength coach was out today. And I got to run the weight room. And as, as I'm running it, I'm just looking and thinking, man, what are we going to look like? Last two years, we knew what we had and what how we were going to be and how the other two on here feel on my staff. But I'm excited to see what we're going to look like. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm excited about that. I, I think the other thing, obviously, is with my son and being probably going to commit here shortly and take his official visits this summer. I'm excited for him. I'm excited to see where he ends up and, and what he becomes when he gets to that point. But it's been a long journey and I'm sure we'll get into some of that. And I think those two things excite me the most. And it's ironically that both deal with football. I love that. that assumes our life. So absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> My second question still fall on the football line. Who's the most dominant player you can remember seeing at the high school level? Maybe someone you coached or uh, played or coached against or just saw randomly watching a high school game. Anyone that comes to the front of your mind? Yeah, for sure. And, and here's the crazy, again, I, I say this a lot, but like, I've been fortunate to to cover coach a lot of great players, and I think you alluded to it in the uh, interlude that I you know coached a number of guys, two guys in the NFL. But to me, like the most dominant player I coached against was Dominic Jones out of Brookhaven, who ironically his son just got done playing four years for us. He was single handedly the most dynamic football player on the football field at all times, no matter what it was, returner, defense, offense, it did not matter. And I told his son this story and I told his, his he has a freshman daughter at, at Gehenna as well. And I told her this story during the year they won the, won the uh, state championship was 2004. They beat us 15 to two. I think that was the closest game out of the 15. They were 15 and 0. And I think we were the closest game they had. Um, and I always say this and I never know which way it went, but it was nine to two heading in like with 20 seconds to go in the game or something similar. And we go to throw, <clears throat> it was either a post corner and our guy ran the post, not the corner, or vice versa. But either way, we throw a pick in the end zone, they run it all the way back with time expiring to beat us 15 to 2. But in that game, uh, it was like fourth and two. And I'm in the box at the time. And we line up to, to run a play. And it's like a sweep type play. And we line up to run it. And as we're lined up, Head coach Dunlap at the time was asking me, like, Bruce, do we have it? And I'm like, yeah, like, there's only one guy out there. Dominic's the DJ is the only guy out there on the corner. We're leading with a lead back, a pulling lineman, and our running back. We only got to get a yard. So I'm like, coach, we got it. We're going to get this. And I'd be dog if we didn't run that thing. And he swooped the, he ripped the lineman, blew up the fullback, and tackled the guy for a two yard loss. I think I stood with the rest of the game with my mouth open. I, I can't believe he just did that. And that's the type of player he was. He wasn't no, no bigger than a spit, but the dude was dynamic. And he was like that every year. Again, I've coached a lot of great guys and coached against a lot of great guys. But to me, and I've always said this, Dominic Jones sticks out to me as one of the best players in high school that I've ever seen live. That's a very surprising answer. Like I'm sitting yeah. here as he's talking, I'm just thinking he's going to say, he's going to say, Jonathan Cooper. Right. He's going to say a Jack Sawyer. He's going to say Jalen Gill. He's going to say some of these other people, either from our team or else. But 
that was a very surprising answer to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it, listen, obviously, again, he's a father in our program and I've talked to him several times since and great guy. It's just, it's crazy. Like you said, there's been a ton of great football players and you named four or five great ones right there. But uh, to me, it was year in and year out. He was just dynamic and game changer all the time. Obviously, I got a state, one of the only city teams win a state title and obviously has a uh, documentary, The Haven, named that he's a big part of. Uh, he was dynamic, and there's been some great ones throughout the years. There we go. I like that. You're talking about the city, so let's keep it a little bit in the city. This is my question. What's the number one lesson that you learned in the city that you still take with you today? Man, I, obviously, <clears throat> I was a lot younger. had a lot of lessons coaching in the city. A lot of different things happened throughout my uh, career, from players having family members killed the day before a game, so on. I, I think the biggest thing I've always taken away from coaching and being in that situation is to put kids first. Like, you just never know what they're going through or what their day was like. And we get – all of us have the ability of coaching football and football means a lot to us, but sometimes what football means to our players is probably more important than anything else that we do. If anything, I've 13 years in the, in the city league, I, I feel like I dealt with a lot and not that moving 10 years into the OCC is, is really any different, but um, something I learned young and, and took with me is to, uh, just put kids first. Like you never know what's going on in their lives and you know what that day has been like for them. To be able to do that and then worry about football has always been productive for me. Uh, and that's something I, I learned early on um, coaching in the inner city. I love it. As a teacher too, that's a lesson I learned. I taught in a lot of suburb schools for a very long time and I came to Westerville it has a ton of diversity, like over 25 different languages spoken and just all types of different things going on. And to me, I agree. That was been the biggest thing for me is just understanding how everybody's different, how everybody's going through something, how every student might need something. And that's helped me a lot, both in the classroom and as a coach too, which I don't think I really understood when I was younger though. Yeah, for sure. I love it. That's the pick six segment sponsored by Storied Rivals with the hammer. Let's get into the main topic here. Like I said, today's episode is about navigating today's recruiting world, but also we want to be able to touch base on this unique perspective because the cool thing about 614 headsets is Ryan kind of represents the city for us a little bit. Donovan and I are, are in the OCC. Uh, it's been a little OC heavy at times, but we've tried to pay love to the, the city league when we can or how we can. But it's very interesting to, I think this is the first person we've had on here that has been in both. And so uh, we would just want to touch base on that a little bit, touch base on uh, obviously the recruiting stuff too. And I'm going to start where we just finished at since it, we were just there. And you talked about your time in the City League. And I guess for me, I wanted to ask you, there seems to be a divide. People talk about the City one way. People talk about the OCC another way. Talk to me or us about that transition. Was it a big transition? Wasn't it? Wasn't it a big deal? 
talk to us from that, that aspect of having success at the city league and then taking over what is the, the largest program in Columbus and in the OCC. Yeah. <clears throat> First, I, I would say the things that um, went on when I was there and what Ryan deals with now, <clears throat> it's probably night and day different. The city league was, you know, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but the city league back then was a lot more diverse, a lot bigger enrollment, a lot more people on the team. There was times we had 80, 90 kids just on varsity and, and a JV and a freshman program, which city doesn't even have freshmen anymore. So some of the number of things that <clears throat> I, I was used to and I dealt with in the city compared to what's going on now is night and day difference. Football's football. We don't coach any different in the OC than what anyone does in the city. I think the resources are more, obviously, with the OC. Support probably more in the OC than than what you typically deal with in the city. And not and and again, that, a lot of that you can contribute just pure numbers. You're you have 130 kids on your roster <clears throat> compared to 40 kids on your roster. Obviously, you're gonna have more support. You got more people around, more things to to do. But for me, and Again, I'm just talking about my era. There was a lot of great coaches in the city. Um, you're talking about Brian Halfley, Byron Maddox at Walnut Ridge, uh, Miranda, who's still at Eastmore, uh, Reese Douglas at Independence. Like the city was rolling there for a while uh, with talent and coaching talent. And and again, not, I'm not saying there's not talent there now and there are not good coaches there now. It, it to me, it was just different. It was heavier then. It was a lot more talent, a lot more being done in the city than what it is now. It's difficult. It's difficult with kids transferring, moving, not going to school, not playing sports or whatever the case may be. But for me, the transition was everything was just on a grander scale. Like we were very successful at Beechcroft during my time. My time when I was named head coach in 2009, uh, I was the third head coach ever at Beechcroft. I've been at Gehenna 10 years, so I've been away from Beachcraft for 10 years, and they've probably had three or four or five coaches since I've been gone. They started playing football or school opened in 1976. I, I want to say they probably started football right away. At the very minimum, they started in 1978. So from 78 to 2009, three head coaches. And I worked with the other one or other two, actually. Dunlap was the second head coach, but he was he was there forever. And then the guy that was before him was actually on our staff at one point in time when I was there. Um, think, tradition was a little different then than it is now. Um, moving from city to the OC, I, I think the biggest change for me was the amount of resources and just the the grand scale of everything, like the things you were doing. Instead of when I left the city, we were probably, our numbers had dwindled down. We were probably 45, 50 kids, no, there was no freshman football. And then you come to a program when there's 130 kids, freshman football, JV football, 15 to 19 staff members, strength coach, like it, it just, everything ramped up a little bigger. And I think that for me was the biggest difference. Football, again, I don't think we do anything different. I just think the resources are vastly different. So another thing I, I want to ask because a lot of people don't know this, but obviously getting a coach with you now heading into year five and congratulations coach. Uh, I've been with you and my wife the longest than I've been with anybody else in my entire life. So we I must like be it. doing something right together. I like it. But um, you always come back 
to City League stories every year we've coached together, heading into certain games, aside from maybe the relationships that we talked about in the pick six segment, is there something from the time being in the City League that helped prepare you or make you a better coach where you're at now? Oh, absolutely. I, for me, again, <clears throat> go back to the fact that I was the third head coach ever. And the guy before me, Tom Dunlap, had until my first varsity game as head coach, he had been on the sidelines for every Beechcroft game that has ever played. Uh, I got to learn a lot about the history, who all played there, who was great, why they were great, how it was. And I, I feel like being there for 13 years, I, I feel like I grew up at Beechcroft and, and learn how to coach and, and what was important and all those things. You're right. When I do go back to that, it's because that's where I learned how to coach. I was up for the, the next challenge and, and wanted something different. And, and that's why I ended up where I did, but it that's where I cut my teeth. That's where I knew and tried different things and, and learn what techniques worked, how to coach who I was my first year coaching there and who I was when I left there in, in 2013 was not the same coach. I'm more like I was in 2013 now in 2024, but nowhere near where I was in 2001 when I first got there. That's why a lot of my stories come from there because I grew up so much in those 13 years coaching the inner city. When you went from Beechcroft to Gehanna, like what was the lure of, uh, you talk about more resources, talk about a new challenge. Like what was the lure of coming to Gehanna or was it more of an OCC thing? I know you lived in Gehanna for, you mm-hmm. lived in Gehanna for the longest time and, and therefore your kids would go through there. But was it always a Gehanna thing? Was it a OCC thing? Like what was the lure to, to make that jump? No. So honestly, you mentioned it. I, I lived here and my kids grew up here and a lot of people don't realize the whole time I was at Beach Cross, I, I was living in Gahanna and, and got to see that program from afar and, and watch some of the kids in it. Uh, so obviously that was an attraction, living here and, and wanting to be a part of the community and, and be their head ball coach in the community. A huge attraction, obviously. Division one high school, one of the biggest high schools in the state. Again, huge attraction. But for me, it was more <clears throat> I, I wanted the experience like I had in high school. To me, I grew up in a small town, I grew up in Portsmouth, Ohio, where there's really one high school in the town and, and everybody went to the games. And it was a shock for me. My first game uh, as a coach at Beechcroft, I was shocked by it. There weren't a lot of people in the crowd and you went straight to the bus after the after you shook hands. It was just, it, to me, it was different. And I wanted that experience of one town, one high school, everybody comes to the game on Friday night, whether you had a kid on the team or not. Typically, and Ryan, you can speak to this. Most of my fans were family members of team, of my team, where you look in Gehanna, like there's guys been going to the game since 1970s. Like they, they just go because it's Gehanna football on Friday night and that's what you do. And that's something I, I wanted to be a part of. I didn't get that feel in the city that that's what it was. And again, not that we didn't have support from our parents and families, but that's all it was. Was your- I think that's huge. And then other piece that adds into that from obviously like me being a pick North, the one thing that I miss, I feel like so much and our kids miss out on is the student section in the yeah. city, right? Like yeah. coming out to a huge student section and kind of, just, or even coming out to one that's the opposing teams and like getting razzed up and, and people just yelling at you and, it, that's a whole different feeling because that, that yes. brings a whole different type of juice. And we have just mom, dad, brother, sister, auntie, uncle, grandma, grandpa on the stands, and they're not—they're usually yeah. yelling for their baby at one point, and that's about <laughs> it. 
Or yelling at you, one of the two. But oh, yeah. well, I get that a lot, but I've blanked that out now in my four years. But so, there's some you wild first-year <laughs> Sayer stories. There are some wild yeah. ones. You were – I don't think at one point, though, Bruce, in your career, you were ever 0-5 there at Beechcroft yeah. at some time. In my second year, we were 0-5. And, man, that was probably the lowest low of my coaching career ever. Be yeah. kind to yourself. You took over, COVID hit. You oh, had a yeah, lot yeah. of stuff yeah. that happened First to you. So everybody's got to know the, the challenges that there were. Yeah, um, if, and here's the, the difference too, Ryan, is like, I was there for a long time before, <clears throat> before right. I became head coach. Everybody knew who I was, and I was a D coordinator. And all. Like, you came in fresh to the scene, coming from Pickerington. Like, you're probably like, who's this dude and what he about before you could – I have a bunch of stories about ask. I hope he watches this. Uh, ask Miller how much he like hated on me before he ever even met me. Yeah, if I was Which is cool. that's just the environment there. You got to yeah. gain the trust, and that's I think that's one of the big things in the city that's different. Gaining the trust of those kids because yeah. a lot of times, and it is what it is. It's just a true fact, which is a sad fact. But a lot of them don't grow up with their dads in their household or or a male figure. So it's hard for them to trust a male figure and really know what being cared about and being loved on means. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously that was a big factor for you, but, but no, but yeah, Don, but so that's again, D1, OCC, all those things were great and, and challenging and, and what I wanted, but I, I really just wanted, I wanted that atmosphere of high school football. And, and again, we were good and we had some great games with Brookhaven, great game in 2008 or nine against Aaron Franklin when the, I felt like the whole south side of Columbus was there. Like, we had some great games, but it wasn't that way week in and week out. And I, I felt like that's something, as you get through your career, that's something that I wanted. Like Ryan said, like the student section, man. Like just being the culture setter for the high school that you coach at. And I I wanted that experience, and I, I felt like that was something I could get at your hand. And, and 10 years later, I, I'll, I'll say 100%, yes, that's what it is. I like, and I, like I, have a, I got a question though. Stouts talk too much this podcast. Yeah, I know yeah, he loves dad yeah. and everything, but Jesus, man. <laughs> but no, I want I to transition and talk a little bit about your son and you guys, you coaching him and what it's because when we had him on here, that was one of my questions for him was what's it like just being a, a coach's son and actually the head coach's son and being then being the quarterback on top of that, not just being like a receiver or, or something, the main guy on offense. So what's that, what's that experience been like for you? So <clears throat> here's what I'll say. And I, I say this all the time because obviously this question is very interesting to a lot of people. One of the things I, I learned in my 13 years in, in Columbus and what Coach Dunlap taught me was the, the number one decision you're going to make is who you hire. That's the most important decision as a head coach you'll make. And I was fortunate to, to hire some great people. I don't directly have to coach my son. Like I, I hire great people like Stout to, to do things like that so that we don't do this. Like I don't have to do that. But what I will say is to, to sit there and, and go through the experiences with your son and to be able to just have those moments. And, and, and a lot of people ask this question, and I, and I always say this, and I, just, I feel bad for my wife sometimes because like, me and my son will come home and my daughter's away at college. So me and my son will come home and we got stories and we'll giggle about something. My wife's like, what? I want to know. What happened? Ah, you got to be there. To have those experiences, man, and, and be able to watch everything that he does and watch him take in things. And him and Stout have a great relationship. Like he, 
they get on in Zoom on, on Wednesdays and go over the, the plan. And I don't get in the way of that. Like, I don't want to mess him up. So I stay out of the way and let other great coaches coach him. But the biggest part of that is I get to see every moment that he experiences on the football field. I see it. And I'm a part of it. it may not mean much now to him, but we can go back hopefully one day when he has kids and we can still rehash and remember some of these moments that we've had. And obviously we've had, since he's been at helm, man, we've had some great years. And I think a lot of it is contributed to my staff and, and him as a player. And I say this a lot. And obviously as football people, we know this. Like, we've always had great players at Gahanna. There's one on the screen up here. And uh, we've had linemen. We've had We've had running backs, we've had receivers, but like one of the things that we've really truly never had is a trigger man that that does it, knows it, and and takes us to that next level. We've had some good quarterbacks, don't get me wrong, but I don't think we've signed a division one quarterback in 10 years. I've been there. And to have that now is what I think has propelled us over the top. I, I obviously along with the coach and the execution of some of our other players as well. There's one piece that got us over the top, and I, I think that's been our quarterback. And, and fortunately for me and, and our team, it's my son. I'm excited about that part of it for sure. What's, what's the number one moment, though? You keep talking about experiences and moments. Like you, so you look back right now, what's the number one moment or experience that you've had with him that kind of sticks out in your mind? Oh, for sure. Re winning a regional championship. Like, that's, I, I think, three out of four people on the screen will say that. That's a moment that doesn't happen all the time. And to do it against another OCC rival, a crosstown rival, and to do it with your son is just something. Again, it's something that the Gahanna hasn't won, in, I think at that time, 41, 42 years. Yeah, it's over 40 years. To do that with your son, that's something you'll never forget. But I, I think that's one of the moments. Again, it's not just that. It's the... That's the giggle you have at practice. We were practicing that year. We were practicing in the snow. Like It's just the little things. And I know you have a son and Style has a son. And hopefully one day you guys get that experience as well. I, I just doesn't have to be a big moment, but winning the regional championship with your son is, at quarterback is pretty memorable. I'll, I'll never forget. I was, I was going to say, Style, I got to throw this in first. I always thought this was funny. So I like – when you were there originally in 2014, 2015 was when I was a junior and senior and Brennan and Bella would always be running around with us when we were conditioning. And the first game I saw, it was 2021, the first game he started. And I was there on the sideline watching year before I started coaching there. And I didn't know Brennan was playing football. I had no idea. And I, mm -hmm. I'm talking to someone on the sideline. I'm like, who's the new quarterback in now that so-and-so was hurt. And I got oh, Brennan. I'm like, what's Brennan's last name? And they're like Ward. And I'm like, Wait, I'm like, wait a second. He was just a little kid like two seconds ago, and and now here he is. Crazy. Yeah, man. happens fast. He's a great player, man. I, I feel very fortunate. I've said on this show before, <laughs> like I'm spoiled, and I don't know how life will ever go back, and just the relationship we have. And you hear all the time people talk about the relationship between the play caller and the quarterback, and Brendan was about 25 minutes away from seeing my son be born as we're sitting in the, the hospital going over the game plan from the delivery room. And we just have a, such a special relationship and I love it. I made the promise to him that I would see him through. Brendan's probably the, the big reason I'm still maybe battling through coaching right now while being in a hard time. It was that promise to make sure he, he saw it through with no other coordinator, but 
myself and not to have to deal with the change. And yeah, and know. listen, Stel, I I've told you this, but I I gotta say this while obviously we're talking about Brennan and the relationship with his with Coach Stel. Stout, you remember this. So Stout took a picture of some of our other players outside of his backyard. They were out there fishing in a little pond behind his yard, and he Stout posted the picture. So Brennan comes running downstairs, and he's like, I can't believe Stout took them fishing. And I was like, what? He was like, look, Stout took them fishing. And he, was, and he had this look on his face. He was like, he never asked me to go fishing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take him this year. He was so upset by that. Like he was just like, that's, that's, I'm gonna that's, hit him up. I'm gonna like, hit him up. We'll go <laughs> that's that's traumatized. You're like, my dude, fish hunt, man. The funny, the back the coach didn't tell the rest of the story. I did not take those guys fishing. He didn't take them fishing, but what ended up happening is I'm scoring around social media and I see Tweedledee and Tweedledum and the crew is fishing in the backyard. So I hopped the fence and went and saw them. And these cats are out there fishing with busted poles and bread and their reels get all tangled up it was a mess right i'll take brand finish this year we'll go do it but he didn't know that all he knew i was know it's funny of people on the team fishing and he didn't get to go so i want to ask you coach you talk about recruiting and i'm a little removed for it now since i'm not a head coach anymore and i don't deal with it as much but we've gone through a big change i feel like a lot of people feel like we have yeah. how has high school recruiting changed in today's world Listen, <laughs> it is nuts, first and foremost. I think, obviously, L and, and Portal has changed a lot of things in college football. Obviously, with recruiting as well as part of that, they're just not taking as many high school kids. They're, they're waiting on high school kids more. But I think the, the, the bigger side of that is just the what social media has done for recruiting. I remember, and I know social media has been, been out for a while now, but I remember, excuse me, Coach Amerson's out today, so I had to actually yell and scream in the weight room today, so I'm not used to that. But before, even five, six years ago, I remember, man, sitting down and turning my computer around and, and showing the coaches the film, and now they come in, like, I already, I already seen the film. I watched this film last night. I already know you got this offer, that offer. Like, the knowledge that the coaches come in with <coughs> – to me, has really changed. Has changed the game a, a lot more. With social media, everybody knows everything about everybody, and um, you know they're they're asking about other kids all of a sudden, and it's just and there's a lot more of them. I listen. We went from I think it was January 12th through February 3rd, and I probably this is no lie. I probably seen five to seven coaches a day, and it's. 30 to 45 to hour conversation every time a coach comes in and it's exhausting. It's exhausting as a coach. I'm sure you deal with it as well. I, I do, but not to that degree. I feel like it, it, but it is exhausting, man, getting pulled out of class, go talk about the same guys, yeah. go do it all over again. And it, they, and they come in back to back to back. And it's Ryan, like, you teach two periods a day. <laughs> Dude, I work hard and I'm in prison. <laughs> I I'm in inclusion as well two times in a day. Yeah, so it's it's a lot. I feel like and again, I'm glad to have this problem. I I would be mad if we didn't have seven to eight coaches coming in daily. I would probably mean we didn't have any players and I probably wasn't doing a good job. But 
I think that part of it has changed. And you start getting into the <clears throat> NIL and the portal, especially like just guys are waiting a lot more, uh, especially the, the, the G5 group. I don't, again, there's a window in December where D1s are out and uh, a lot of the Max and FCSs are waiting because they're trying to get kids from the portal and they're saving space. They're not really looking at a lot of high school kids. And D1 is, is just move forward. I, I tell kids a lot, like, if you don't have D1 offers by the time you're a senior, you're probably not going to get one. And I'm sure that wasn't the case 20 years ago. They were probably waiting until they were senior year and, and show what they can do. So it's, it's, uh, it's a sped up process. It's a deep process. And the portal just add more craziness to it. I was talking with a, 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 a dad today who, who coaches and teaches in, in Westerville. His son's kind of blown up in the last month or two. And he was saying that really almost a preference now has gone towards kids who will be able to even early enroll. Yeah. And how that has turned into a massive preference. If all things are equal, if a kid can early enroll, they're going to go with that kid versus another. And so I think that's just interesting how that's just changed so much too. Yeah. And obviously, I'm saying obviously, but I'm thinking some of us know over here that Brennan's going to be early enrollee and it's attractive. <clears throat> you know, a lot of guys have said like, it's like a whole nother year. If they can come in the spring, get the spring, summer, like they're so far ahead of the guys that only come in the summer. Mm-hmm. So and especially being a quarterback for him, it's, it's important that he gets in there early. But yeah, I, I've talked to coaches who said, hey, if he's an early enrollee, we'll take him because it's almost like you're given almost an extra season mm-hmm. to get them ready to play as potentially as freshmen. Yeah, for sure. There's so many changes in college football that's changed the, the landscape of college football. I see kids adding in like tweets now with their highlights. Like I'm so-and-so planning to early enroll. On pace or on schedule too. Yeah. Yep. That's just, that's a conversation I had today. So just talk to us about being a head coach, being a parent that now this is your second time going through the recruiting process. What's that? Do you feel like a normal parent during it? Do you notice college coaches engage with you different? Are you able to see through some of the things going on? What is that pers- unique perspective like? <clears throat> yeah, for sure. The biggest, first of all, let's say college basketball recruiting and football recruiting is not the same at all. Not even close. Don't even compare, to be honest. Mostly football obviously goes through all of us. Basketball, you got A, you got handlers, you got high school coaches. It's so vastly different than honestly what my daughter I was lost, like, I don't have those connections first and foremost. And like the process is just not the same, but doing it with my son is different. Like you guys know me, like I, I don't make it a big deal that he's my son. Like he's a football player for me and I'm going to promote him just as much as I would any other kid on our team. It just happens to be, he goes home with me at night and I feed his butt every night. So I, I try not to make that known. Some people obviously come in knowing it and listen, I've had conversations all the way down to them offering him and then we'll say, can we get in contact with his dad? And I'm like, you're, you're talking to him. <laughs> like, especially some of the new staffs. Like, they, I didn't know that. Yeah. I've had, I'm not going to name the university, but I've had division one teams like, Hey man, we want to offer him. And when we're done, like his parent contact and stuff. And I'm, and I just look at him like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll make that happen. Um, but again, like one of the things that I try when they do know it's my son, is I try to tell them, I've done this for 26 years. Like, 
let's not give me the bull, the BS. Let's be honest and true and work through this. And I'm fine with the reality. I understand recruiting. Give it to me. True. And some coaches have done that. And, I, and again, here's a unique perspective is how many parents have personal relationships with a lot of these coaches? Like I, most of every coach that comes in, I've met multiple times. I know multiple times. I've been to places with them. I've known them for 10, 20 years. Not a lot of parents have that perspective. So there's obviously going to be a different conversation. But even with the new ones, I try to tell them, listen, I've done this for years. Like, I'm just about honesty. I don't have time to waste. And if you're not really interested, that's fine. Like, it's about the right fit. And if he's not a fit in your in what you do offensively, let's just be honest about it. And it's went okay. You still have those coaches that are going, that's just what they do, right? They're used car salesmen. Like, they're recruiters. So you still get some of that. For the most part, the guys that recruit this area – mostly know me and we can have honest conversations and it's, and it's been good. It's diff. It, here's a different part. And me and my wife talked about this today is that it's usually a Monday through Friday thing. And then Saturday I'm off with your son being involved in that. You're not off on Saturdays. Like you're actually traveling and you're going to see them, them coaches again. And so it's a little different from that perspective. Again, I would, I'd rather it be that way than in any other way. How do you battle I think I remember when, when I was picking schools in the end, my parents would never tell me, oh, this is my favorite school. You should do this. But like, it, would, it would always be subtle things or after the fact. I remember my mom saying, like, she's like, I was crying to your dad saying, don't you let him pick this school. Don't let him go to the Air Force Academy, whatever it was, right? Like, how do you battle as a parent, but also a quarterback your team? How do you battle not letting your own, I don't want to say influence, but like your own opinions of, all right, like I've been around recruiting for a while. I've seen all these programs, seen different staff. Like, how do you battle not letting your own opinion influence his decision at all. I'm fortunate. And if you've ever been to Gahanna Lincoln during the day, you would know this. Like my players are just like my sons. Like they're all in my room all day, every day. Like I, I think I have a pretty good relationship with a lot of our guys. And I tell Brendan the same thing. I, I, I would tell Dior or, or Jake or anyone else is I'm going to lay my head down in this house every night, no matter what, like you're the one that has to go to this place and coexist and get along and be comfortable. And I, I don't treat that part of it any different than I would any other player. The difference is I think he hears a lot more of the conversations I have about other players because we're driving home. And like today I'm driving home and a coach calls me about two, two of our other players. So he hears those conversations and he's a smart kid and he develops his own opinions and I don't know if some of my conversations influence him, but like he he thinks and has some of the same opinions that I do about certain places. And I, I always want it to be his decision. I don't want to tell him where to go. I don't want to tell him what to do. He hears me talk about staffs, even in years past, and has a relationship with different people because of those conversations. And But listen, if it's going to work for him, it has to be his decision. And I want it to work for him. And that's, I've, I've had this conversation before. That, that's why I don't push my hand with, with my son. I don't tell, I don't go to Stout and say, hey, play my son or make sure he throws the ball this many times. Like, this is, I want him to be successful. So he has to earn it and he has to do it on his own. And I, I feel the same way when it comes to his college choice. Like it has to be his choice. I don't ever want to tell either one of my kids what to do, where to go. 
I'll teach you how to do it. I'll make sure that you have a thought process behind it. But it's not my job to choose where you want to go. That's up to you. And uh, hopefully I've done a good job with that with him. I just got one final question, and I just wanted to ask this. And you might have just touched on it right there. And if it is, great. If if not, you can answer it. But we have different listeners who have kids who are either about to be in this recruiting phase or maybe they're going through it now. What's <laughs> one piece of advice you could give them about navigating it, maybe aside from letting them make the choice? I think the biggest side of it is to be honest with your skill set. Brennan's a great football player. He's a great quarterback, but not every school is the right fit for him. And I don't want to push him to a certain school because of their logo. And I think a lot of kids at this day and age are quote unquote chase logos. I'm going to go here because it's Ohio state or it's, it's Michigan or it's whoever, but it may not be the right fit for them. And I, I think it's important, especially in a day and era of transfer portal, kids leaving left and right, go to a place that fits you. Like every one of his offers is a D1 offer. It's all going to be paid for, but what fits you? Don't just go somewhere because they're the eighth ranked team in the country or they play in the SEC or Big Ten. Go somewhere it fits you. And I think to do that, I think you as a parent and you as a player have to have honest conversations about where you fit in that. Certain offenses or defenses or, you know, whatever position you play, every school is not the right fit for you. If you're a man guy and you're going somewhere and play zone, like that's probably not a good fit for you. So I, I think the biggest piece is not don't worry about logo or location or any of that. Find the best fit. And through my years, I've had people on both sides of that. Guys that are chasing logos and saying, no, I want my son there because it's a bigger school. And ones that say, no, I know this school is bigger, but this school fits my son. And I, I think that's I think that's important to for both the player and the, the parent to realize is this is a big, important decision. And it has to be about the right substance for it. I like it. Hey, Coach, I want to appreciate you coming on and, and talking about, obviously, Gahanna football and all the great things they've accomplished there and, and obviously talking about this recruiting side of things and, and giving some really good nuggets to maybe some other coaches or guys who are aspiring to be head coaches and even parents because I know we have a few out there. Ryan, wrap us up, baby. Look, we appreciate you, Coach Wars. Uh, honestly, a legend in the city like – and and you don't look at it that way. I've said it to you before, and you're like, nah, that's not me. Got the wrong no. guy. But at the end of the day, you definitely are what you did there at Beechcroft. It, it doesn't go unnoticed, and people still talk about your success there. And we just appreciate having you on. It's been a blast for all for obviously us three. Those two way they were juiced up today. They were texting more than they've ever texted back and forth. My guys. Donnie was Donnie literally was so excited today. It was unbelievable. Always appreciate but, you guys having me. No, make sure though, you guys that are getting into your off season though, coaches, be sure to contact Fundraising University Ohio and get a hold of Brent Maxwell. Make sure that you guys do that so that he can get you on the path to make enough money to get everything that you need for the year. I love it. One love. See you guys next week. <laughs>